Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. You know, we are living in a, a time in this country, obviously, where things are really kind of haywire and where a lot of things have already changed. And where we can see the handwriting on the wall, they're going to continue to change. And we wonder, where has my country gone? Where, where has the church gone? Where have all these things gone? And you can get pretty anxious looking at the way that things are. Tonight, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit a little bit about something that I think will help you to put these things in a little bit different perspective because I believe that all of the things that we see changing around us have to do with God resetting what we've come to know and become comfortable with so that He can continue to do what it is that He wants to do in the days ahead. It's all about the reset. I made a little bit of a, a little uh, video. Would you uh, turn to the screen tonight? It'll help us kick it off. Because what we know today as bowling was at one time known as nine pins because it used, well, nine pins. Nine pins was the most popular form of bowling up until about the 1930s, and most bowling alleys were in bars. And because there was a lot of gambling and a lot of bad things, almost like pool halls, many, ta- many cities in, 19, in the 1930s for, closed down bowling, forbade it. Some until somebody, they called it nine pin, until somebody got the idea. Nine, they said nine pins is illegal. What if we have ten? And suddenly, bowling experienced a reset, kind of like what you're about to see on the screen. When you play bowl, when you're bowling, you use the ball to knock down the pins. That's how you get your points, right? But if the pins stay down, you can't continue the game or play it very well. And so in the early days, they actually had pin spotters, pin setters, human beings who somehow dodged the ball and set the pins back up uh, manually. But later, in, in the 1940s, a, uh, a German fellow uh, came along and he invented a, an automatic pin setting machine so that they could very quickly be reset up and they could reset the pins so that the game could continue or a new game could begin. Bowling demands and needs a reset in order for it to continue on. I'd like to suggest to you that in your life and my life, in our lives and in our church, God is at work doing a great big reset so if you'll hang with me, we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. If we'll respond to the reset, if we'll see it as a reset. If we'll see it as God at work in our lives and in our community and in our world, God can use it to sharpen us and change us and help us to get rid of the things that are slowing us down, to get rid of the old ways, to embrace his new ways, the things that he wants to do. For example, have you thought about how, how much COVID has affected the United States, has affected our church? Things came to a screeching halt, didn't they? In fact, look around the room. There aren't as many people here tonight as there would be before that happened. COVID came and made changes in the way that we live our lives and the way that we do church. It caused us to reset. But I don't believe that the church or our lives are in, in, at, at the end of a reset. I think we're at the beginning of a reset. And I want to encourage you and, and inspire you and to let you know that God is at work. What, you, what looks to be bad news is God at work behind the scenes with a reset. And if we will properly respond to it, God will do great things. So let's talk about resets. Number one, God has planned resets into everything. It's already planned that way. Seasons are a reset. Winter comes along, the, the earth rests, 
springtime, everything comes back up, it resets. God planned it to be based on a reset. The Sabbath that God instituted, and Sabbath, by the way, doesn't mean rest. Sabbath means a cessation, a stopping of what we're doing. So the purpose is so that we can rest. But the Sabbath is a reset for us so that we can restart what we've been doing each week so that we can regather and reset in order to rest so that we can begin again. Nighttime and sleeping is a reset. Do you know that that they've done all sorts of tests and they found that sleeping is actually very, very beneficial for a number of different things. It it helps our brains get rid of the brain toxins that are created during the during the daytime so that our brain can connect and function properly. It uh, uh, it it is crucial uh, for our brains being able to remember things. Sleep is really, really important. So the next time you want to sleep in, fellas, and your wife is not really happy about it, you just tell her that you're really doing her a big favor by sleeping in because uh, sleep is beneficial. It's not a waste of time. It's required for healthy brain function, and God built into us the need for a reset every night and every morning. It's a reset. God has planned and used resets all throughout biblical history and our history. So I'm going to give you a list, and I'm going to try not to put you to sleep with them because I want you to see that this is a pattern with God. This is something that God uses all the time. The flood was a reset, right? Humanity had gotten so bad, there was so much evil in the world that God had to literally reset things so that it wouldn't be overrun with evil people. The Tower of Babel was a reset. God changed their language so that they couldn't cooperate with one another, and they scattered all over the world. That was a reset. God used those instances for a reset. Jonah, in the belly of the whale, was a reset. In his rebellion, he had an opportunity to turn his heart back toward God, and it was a reset. And by the way, it was a reset for the people of Nineveh that he went to go minister to because they all got saved. God built in a reset. Joseph spent all those years in prison languishing, but also doing a lot of great things. And at a certain point, God let him out and used him to save his family and save a nation. It was a reset born out of difficulty and difficult times. The escape from Egypt, the children of Israel escaping from Egypt and and entering into ultimately a land uh, of of their own was a reset that God planned in there. They're becoming a covenant people with God as opposed to a people who didn't know God was a reset. When God, uh, whenever God would punish people, for their disobedience and their sinfulness. It was a reset because his purpose was to cause them to return to him. And when they would, he would restore them and reset their lives. Look at Joel, verse, or Joel chapter 2. Fear not, my people. Be glad now and rejoice, for he, God, has done amazing things for you. Let the flocks and herds forget their hunger. The pastures will turn green again. The trees will bear fruit. The fig trees and grapevines will flourish once more. Rejoice, O people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For the rains he sends are tokens of forgiveness. Once more the autumn rains will come, as well as those of the spring. And the threshing floors will pile high again with wheat. And the presses will overflow with olive oil and wine. And I will give you back the crops that the locust ate, my great destroying army that I sent against you. God uses, creates, and uses resets, always to redeem us, always for our good, 
But God is a God of resets. Jesus, when he came to the world and he said, hey, you've heard it, you've heard it said that when your enemy punches you in the nose, you punch him back twice as hard. But I say when he does that, love him. Return good for evil. Jesus turned things upside down and he reset the way the world looks at godliness and holiness. The disciples who changed from uh, fishing to, to, uh, for fish to fishers of men, uh, were, was, it was a great reset. John 21, it's in your notes. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. And so they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. It was a reset. He gave them specific instructions and they followed it And it was a reset to their effort at fishing. New instructions for an old routine that they'd done so many times before. Jesus said, time for a reset. Do it this way. And because of their faithfulness and because of that reset, there came for them the reset of a new assignment. A little bit later in the chapter, or a little bit in Matthew 4, Jesus called out to them and said, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people that's a reset. They went from being fishers of fish to fishers of men. God uses resets, other resets that God, and I'm, again, I told you, this is a long list, but I want you to get it, that God uses resets. He creates them, or if he doesn't create them, he uses them to reset things all throughout his kingdom. Jesus, huge reset between the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice of animals and the blood sacrifice once and for all of his shed blood. That was a reset in the way things worked. Saul, who became Paul, and not only ministered to Jews, but was called to minister to Gentiles, that was a huge reset that the God of Israel would also go after the Gentiles. It's a reset that God happened to use through Paul. The completeness of your salvation is a reset in your life. You've gone from sin and being bound for hell to being a child of God and bound for heaven. It's a reset. God, friends, God uses resets. He does not always cause all of the things that happen in the midst of a reset to happen, but he will always use those things for his glory and his purposes. So do you get it? God is all about resets. That's what he does. And it's not because he keeps changing his mind. It's because he has a patient, long-term plan to redeem us. And that plan isn't static. It doesn't stay the same. It has to be, not because he's changing his mind, but so that we can get to where we're going, there have to be resets. The plan requires resets of God-ordained things. Look at Isaiah 43. God said, I'm the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like smoldering candlewick. But forget about all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. I am about to reset things. I'm about to do something new. I've already begun. Don't you see it? 
the greatest, one of the greatest resets of all happens in Revelation 22 because God's desire is to redeem you and me and redeem this entire creation from the curse. We're told in Revelation 22, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. What an incredible reset that will be. And it will, it will bring great change, and it will be in the midst of great change, but God will use it to further his kingdom. And I, I believe all that's going on in this world, and I believe all that's going on in your life as a result of it, is an opportunity for God to reset things in our lives and in our church. If God is at work in your life, and if God has ordained that there will be these opportunities for reset, do you need to fear those things? You need to fear a reset? No, because God is good. He always does, only does what is good. He always works on our behalf for our good. So don't be anxious about what's going on. Respond to God's gracious reset opportunities. How do I do that? I'm glad that you asked that question. By the way, y'all are real quiet tonight, so I'm going to help you out. I, I get done faster when you say like amen or you nod your head or you poke the person next to you or something. So help me out tonight a little bit, all right? You do your part, I'll do, I'll do my part. But let's, how do we respond to God's reset opportunities? Number one, start by asking the Holy Spirit to show you what it is you need to do. How much time do you spend every day asking God to show you what he wants you to do? Asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you and lead you and guide you. That's a part of the normal Christian life. That's one of the ways that we take advantage of these reset opportunities that God has given to us. It's his reset. Let's ask him what he wants us to do. Ask him where we need to go. Ask him what he wants us to do. What habits and sins that we need to turn from. Uh-oh. Nobody's saying amen right now, but that's a part of what God wants to do. God, what? Show me. Show me the unclean things in my life. Show me what I need to do in this, in this time of reset. And then repent, turn from that, repent, return to God, be renewed, reset in your life. Look for opportunities to, re, to leverage the resets that God has placed in your life. Everything that God does for you is, is advantaged toward you so that you can use them to not only accomplish his will, but to do great things on his behalf. Number two, see every challenge and halt or stop in your life as a reset opportunity. I don't like that. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Because as long as we breathe, and as long as God is continuing to work in our lives, those things that come to an end, those uncomfortable changes that take place, the new directions that God sends us, they're un we're uncomfortable. We don't like them. But if we will learn to see that God is trying to do something in us as a result of those things, then they're not so bad because God has a great plan for us, and he wants us to do that. Maybe he wants you to reset relationships. It's easy to, to, uh, to gloss over the, the importance of the Holy Spirit in our, in our homes and in our marriages, and maybe you having to spend more time together at home is a reset opportunity for you and your spouse. If you'll see it as that, if you'll welcome the opportunity and more importantly, welcome the Holy Spirit into that opportunity so that you can change and grow and be drawn closer together. 
spending more time with your children who are not in school. It's a tremendous opportunity to reset your relationship with your children. Being stuck at home and not being able to go to church, having to watch it online, is a great reset opportunity. Do you know why? Because even though you might be out there and we're in here, you can still experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can still advance the kingdom of God right where you are. So, friends, there are opportunities that come to us in the middle of of difficult circumstances and, and anxious times and things that aren't particularly nice. But God has a reset opportunity for your life and for his church in every single one of them. It's an opportunity to reset and change the way we look at and view this world, to refocus and regain an eternal perspective. Everything has ground to a halt. How about we look around us and look at the world in a new way and look at the things of God in a new way? Matthew 6.31, don't worry about these things, what we're going to eat and where we're going to go and what we're going to wear, what we will drink, what we'll wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need refocus on the things of God. I think I may have mentioned it maybe on Sunday when I was praying or maybe another time. Our daughter uh, and her husband have had a couple of years of really difficult times, real, real struggles in their lives. And uh, uh, Shelly and I and, and a lot of other people have spent a lot of hours in prayer for them. We're still waiting for God to come through. He's blessed them and done things in the meantime. I don't mean to say he's totally silent, but we've spent a lot of time praying. The other day when I was in prayer, God, God, kind of, uh, God kind of rebuked me a little bit and said, Steve, most of your time when we get together at five o'clock in the morning, that's the biggest percentage of your time is spent praying for your daughter, for her needs to be met, for their situation to be taken care of. And you need to seek first the kingdom of God in your prayers. And I stopped. And, I'm, and so now when I pray, I spend a little bit of time, because God says, bring the needs to me. I spend a little bit of time praying for my daughter and her family, but I spend a lot more time praying about God's kingdom. This church, this community, and all of those things, these re- are reset opportunities for us to take our eyes off of what's going on in the world and put our eyes back on what's going on in the kingdom of God. We have to reset our personal walk with God as a part of the reset of God for his church and for his people. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that can't be seen. Those are the heavenly, spiritual things to come, those things that are, are can't be seen. Jesus said his kingdom was an invisible kingdom. Those are the things we want to fix our attention on because it says the things we can see now, and that's everything around us. Everything that you can see while you're in this world now will be gone. But the things you can't see, those are the things that are going to last forever. So don't look at the things that can be seen. Look at the things that can't. Reset your focus and your vision on God's kingdom and church. We have to reset our personal walk with God as a part of the reset that God has for his church, God's people. What does that mean? We need to have some reset going on 
I need to in my personal life, and you do too, in our collective worship and service arena. I gotta make changes. I, I, and, and when I say I, I'm also talking about you. I, I've gotta come to the place where I don't go to church to get my needs met, but where I go to church to worship and glorify God, and where I come to be a, a positive influence in your life by praying with you, by, by encouraging you, by walking through things with you, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm just like you. I'm a part of this family, and all of us need to reorient our thinking in these times. Now that everything has come to a halt and things are slowly but surely coming back online, what is it that needs to change and reset in the collective worship that we do and the collective service that we do for God? We need to change the way we look at the church's relationship with our culture. I prayed earlier that God would give us a great harvest of souls. Friends, we're not doing the Gospel of Scrooge this year. You know that. You've heard that. That was probably one of the, the, the biggest opportunities that we had to invite people to come to church. Please don't misunderstand me when I say this. We don't need people to come to church. We need people to come to Jesus, and they can do it in their home, and they can do it in your backyard, and they can do it at work. We need to reorient our thinking in the way that we that we interface with our community and with our friends. We have to reset those things we've gotten so comfortable, so easy to invite someone to church and hope that the preacher will preach a sermon that has a salvation appeal at the end of it. We'll do that. We ought to do that. But it's more than that. We need to reset the way that we look at that. We need to reset the way we see our personal lives interconnected with the lives of other people. But way back when, when Shelly and I first came here, we had a, um, we had a Sunday night service. Remember those? <laughs> and, and when we first came here, there were a couple hundred people who would come to those. And over the, the year or two after we got here, fewer and fewer people came. And so we realized uh, that we probably needed to make some changes, not, not to just give in to people not coming in and just, oh, well, they're not coming, I guess we'll just stop, but rather to maybe change direction, to reset and that was the time when we started small group ministry. And do you know, we went from, from having had 300 people when Shelly and I first showed up here coming on a Sunday night, we, it went, went down to 100 people. When we started small groups, we immediately had on a Sunday night, every Sunday night for a while, 300 people in small groups. Guess what those people learned to do? They learned to relate to one another on a totally different level. Didn't need a church service. We needed fellowship. We needed to minister to one another. So I want to encourage you. We need to reset and rethink our individual Christian life as it is interconnected with other people. Nod your heads. But you know what, friends? It's not enough to nod your head. We have to do these things. We have to make these changes. We have to embrace this reset. This time in our society and our church could be a reset opportunity for the Holy Spirit to launch a renewed awakening of what the church is about and a renewed awakening of what it is that he wants us to do and how he wants us to live together. So a couple of other re-words, and then I'll finish up tonight. How do we get through this? A couple more re-words. Repent. Repent means to turn. Turn from the things that you're doing and reset. 
Do something different. Turn toward God. Turn toward uh, and change the direction in your life. Romans 2, you may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad as the bad people. And you, Christian, you have no excuse. When you say they're wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do the very same things that they do. And we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully, this is the, this is the, this is the point, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? God isn't kind to you because you're a good person. God isn't kind to you because you pitch a $10 bill in the plate once in a while. God isn't kind to you because you do good deeds. God is kind to you and good to you because He's good and He's loving. But He, he wants to use it to help you turn from your wickedness. I know none of you are wicked in this place, but Shelly is, and this is for her tonight. No, we, we, all, we all are. We all are. I, I hate to admit it, but we are. And God wants to, us to use this opportunity to repent, turn from our sin, and reset those areas of our lives that we have given in to sin. Do you have a few of those? I do too. We've got to make changes, guys. We have to be better than that. Number two, return to your original new believer condition. You know, I got saved when I was six. So it's not like I was living, you know, drinking five, six packs a day and smoking cigarettes and saying naughty curse words or anything like that. I was sweet and innocent. (laughs) But I was a sinner as much as anybody else was. Shelly, when she got saved in college, one of the first things that she did was she ran around telling people about Jesus, leading people to the Lord, led family members to the Lord, led friends to the Lord. When she was a new believer, there was such an excitement and there was this energy and there were all these different things. You know what? We all of us need to return to that beginning, that kind of life, just like it was when we were first believers. We need to reset from what we've become and the slackness that we've allowed in our lives and turn back and reset and return to our original new believer condition. Revelation 2.1, write this to the angel of the church at Ephesus. I know the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back, return to me, and do the works that you did at first. Friends, all that God is trying to reset in these times is an opportunity for us to return to our original condition. A reset, a reset so that we can, so that we can faithfully follow God. Number, number three, replace. Replace the worthless, obsolete, useless things in your life. Jesus was sent to tear down the religious system, and he used the temple as an illustration of that. I'll tear this temple down in three days, and then I'll, I'll tear this temple down in three days, it'll be built back up. What he was doing, and by the way, the temple was torn down, wasn't it? And Jesus did change the religious establishment. Nothing was ever the same. Talk about a reset. 
So we have to replace what didn't work. That's what Jesus was doing. All the religiosity, all of the law, all of the things that weren't working, Jesus came to tear those things down and to reset and to change those things so that he could build something new, his church. But before he could build his structure, an old structure had to be torn down. Mark 13, 1, Jesus was leaving the temple that day, and one of his disciples said, teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. And Jesus replied, yep, look at these great buildings. But they will be completely demolished, and not one stone will be left on top of another. Religion had to be reset. Where people worshiped had to be reset. And all who are now united to Jesus through faith, we are the new temple. We are the temple. We are what took place in the reset. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? I just, guys, I have to take a second for you to do this. This is so incredibly huge. So I'm going to say it again. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that his Holy Spirit lives in you? He's in you. We don't need to pray for God to show up in this place. We don't need to pray for the Holy Spirit to be in this place. You brought him in with you if you're a believer. We've got to get back to the place where we understand that Jesus came and changed everything in man's religion and turned it around so that we could be not only the family of God, but the temple of God. You are the temple of God. I don't know about you. I need to reset some things in my life, if that's true. And it is, and it is. This is a great moment in time. It's a reset opportunity. I've got more. We've got to go. This is a great reset opportunity that God is handing us if we'll pay attention to it and if we'll take advantage of it, and if we'll do the things that he would have us to do so that we can have a reset, so our church can have a reset, so our country can have a reset, because that's what God uses and intends and wants to do. The greatest reword now, the fourth or fifth one, whatever it is, that's really, really important is resurrect, to reset from death to life. If you're watching online, if you're in this room, and you have not experienced the resurrection power of Jesus, which was provided for you by his blood sacrifice, blood sacrifices pay for sin, his blood was perfect, pays for our sins perfectly and completely, the Bible says this is your moment for a reset. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. How can I do that? I'm glad that you asked that question. The Bible says if you believe that Jesus is God's son, that God raised him from the dead, and if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. You will be saved. And as a result of that, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit comes in and changes and transforms and renews you. And you're not just forgiven for sins, but you're changed and you're made new. And we will all of us in these bodies one day be resurrected. Every single one of us. We've, we've lost some people in our church recently because of this COVID thing. We lost them before that. I want you to think about the fact that that's not the end of the story. There's a great 
reset that's waiting for them one day and for all of the rest of us when those of us who are alive will be caught up in the air to meet those who have gone before us and our bodies will be reset and changed and resurrection power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise you, will raise your husbands, will raise your mother and father, will raise your children. It's a reset. It's a reset. So today, do whatever you have to do in order to leverage and take advantage of that reset in your life. Pray with me, Lord. I thank you that your desire is not to punish us, but that we would have life. And I thank you that ultimately, as we read to the end of Revelation, it's clear that your intention is for an incredibly huge reset where you come and dwell with your people forever and ever and ever. God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. May we walk worthy of that great reset that's ahead of us. But God, may we also do the work that we need to do to take advantage of these reset opportunities and moments that you've given to us. We will not be anxious. We will not fear because we know that you are behind each and every one of those things. Your promise is that you are at work bringing all things together for our good, and you will use these reset moments as the world around us changes. They are opportunities for God to reset things in our lives and in our church and in our world. God, do whatever you need to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.